What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Has this not been one of the most amazing wrestling weekends of all time? I would say it has been. And so we're going to give you some coverage of this. Of course, if you've been following us on the socials, you've seen some of it. But this is going to be a little bit different. I'll get into why it's going to be different in just a few minutes. But first, thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to the faction, whether it's on the socials at the faction show or, of course, if you are subscribed to our podcast, thank you so much. If you're not subscribing, you're just joining us for the first time or you've been just kind of dancing with us, but you haven't committed yet, all good. Welcome aboard. I want to suggest that you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. This way, you don't have to just kind of wait and ancillarily catch us. You can go ahead and check us out as we have new content dropping in the regular interval that it drops. With that said, here's what I want to do. There's so much news that happened this weekend, and to stay with the format that is our quick hits, I'm going to split this up into three parts. So you don't have to try to digest all of this right now. You can digest part one, then there will be part two, and there will be part three. This will give me time to actually be able to express my thoughts and not condense them too much. This will also give you an opportunity to be able to digest those thoughts and share your opinions about them as well. Because quite frankly, everything that happened deserves discussion. So let's start here. It's SummerSlam weekend that has just taken place, and a lot of things happened on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So on this episode, we're dealing with Friday. Let's start with Friday Night SmackDown. SmackDown, of course, came to us from Phoenix, Arizona. It's the night before SummerSlam, so it's the go-home show, and there's a lot of anticipation for this show, and the ratings reflected that as this week's ratings came in at 2.237 million viewers for SmackDown, which is up about 150,000 viewers from the week before, which came in at 2.084 million viewers. Here's what else is interesting. Viewership actually increased hour by hour versus what we saw last week with Raw where it decreased hour by hour. So hour one brought in 2.213 million. Hour two added another nearly 50,000 viewers. So something really special was happening on SmackDown and I understand why. The go-home show should be amazing and the go-home show absolutely was amazing. We saw our final face-off between Roman Reigns and John Cena who did in fact somewhat recreate the magic of the week before. That promo from the week before is really gonna go down as one of the best promos of the year hands down and we haven't seen that kind of fire in WWE in a long time couple that with Bianca Belair fighting not one but two matches and on our next episode we'll talk about what happened with that specifically with Smackdown however in comma Smackdown was a great show and I would argue that there are a lot of wrestling fans some of whom watched Smackdown as the precursor to AEW Rampage others just said hey I'm just gonna watch Rampage and then there were those again who said they were just gonna watch Smackdown either way it's all good 
I think it was a great, great night for SmackDown, and it was the kind of go-home show that you want that would make SummerSlam exciting. Now, here's one of the things that's different. Normally, the go-home show is not the night before, but usually it's a day or two before, particularly if you're dealing with SmackDown, because we normally have that pay-per-view happening on a Sunday. This year's SummerSlam happened on a Saturday, which was a completely different vibe. And of course, we saw that SummerSlam happened the day before NXT TakeOver. So they've kind of really flipped the order of that. We'll talk more about that on the next episode. But by and large, a great episode of SmackDown for WWE. But if we're completely honest, most wrestling fans were really waiting for AEW Rampage. Rampage, the newest broadcast for AEW, only two weeks old now, has had some pretty incredible moments. If you remember last week on the debut episode, Christian Cage won the Impact World Championship by defeating Kenny Omega, which if you just understand how big that was, Kenny Omega hasn't lost a match in nearly a calendar year. So that was a really, really big deal. And it's the first of his belts in the belt collecting phase that he's lost. So it showed a bit of vulnerability for Kenny Omega. It also gave Impact Wrestling the opportunity to really gain someone who has Impact roots. Kenny Omega had no roots to Impact, and really for him it was just another title that was collected. We know Christian Cage became a world champion for the first time in Impact Wrestling. Lots of roots there, so that was a move that made sense. And speaking of Impact, they actually had a contribution to Friday night as well with their emergence pay-per-view that happened on the Impact Plus streaming platform. That was headlined by the first main event title match for Christian Cage since winning the Impact World title as he defended the title successfully against Brian Myers. So I want to take a second to talk a little bit about this because, first of all, I'm going to say that Impact Wrestling really are making some waves in the wrestling world. And it's not just because of their connection to AEW. But they have really engaged in a partnership, not just with AEW, but with New Japan Pro Wrestling and with the NWA. And so there's been a great deal of cross-promotion that has happened in the world of Impact. We saw them promoting, of course, New Japan's resurgence, which took place not this weekend, but last weekend. They're now promoting the NWA's Empower pay-per-view where they're sending a number of females there, including Deanna Perrazzo, the current Impact Knockouts champion. So with that said, the other thing that I think is interesting is how Impact has taken former WWE superstars who may not have been top tier, and they have allowed them to apply their craft, and now they are becoming top tier. Folks like Matt Cardona and even Brian Myers, who, if we're honest, never had a world title shot. If you remember his days in WWE as Kurt Hawkins, he had probably the longest losing streak of anybody calling themselves a superstar in WWE history. That's pretty significant. That's pretty wild. And now he's fighting for a world title against Christian Cage. And if we speak of Christian Cage, he's another person who prior to his entry into Impact Wrestling was not viewed as a world championship contender. He was viewed as a great tag team wrestler alongside Edge, but was not viewed as a great singles competitor. He got the opportunity to do that, of course, in Impact. And I mentioned Edge, so a Allow me to dovetail and go back in time 
to SmackDown because the promo that Edge cut at the start of the show, again, a classic promo that he cut, only then to really kind of give us a hint or a precursor of what was to come as we would see him return to brood status. So if you're unfamiliar, the brood is an organization that he was a part of. It was a faction that he was a part of, along with Christian, now Christian Cage, led by Gangrel. That opportunity as a brood really was our introduction to Edge. Not only was it our introduction to Edge, but that's where we got to see the tag team of Edge and Christian really begin their incredible war with the Hardys, which would lead us to that epic ladder match that happened that really changed the fortune for both of those tag teams. So Edge returning to the brood is something we have not seen in a very long time. Edge kept pushing forward, you know, becoming the rated R superstar and doing all of those, you know, the ultimate opportunist and all of these spaces, but did not revisit the brood until Friday night. And that was amazing to see a brood bath like it was just really, really dope. So shout out to Edge. And I could not forget that as I was talking about Christian back to Christian Cage and Impact Wrestling. They have to be considered a major player. And I know over times on this podcast, we've really wondered about the future of Impact, but they've hung in there and now they are a destination for superstars to show up in all sorts of spaces and them now being mentioned in the conversation with New Japan, AEW and the NWA. That's a big statement. So shout out to Impact Wrestling. Shout out to the Impact World Champion, Christian Cage. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that Impact World Championship. If it stays on Christian Cage for a while, or if this is the way to get it back to a contracted Impact wrestler. Now, with that said, we've talked about Friday Night Smackdown. We've talked about Emergence for Impact. And now it's time to talk about AEW Rampage. This is SHW 29. It's going to be an absolutely stellar night with two big title matches and the most unpredictable show in all of independent wrestling. Come on, somebody stop this. Being the monster they thought they wanted. All right, the world is talking about AEW Rampage, which featured a lot of firsts. It was at the United Center in Chicago, which that was the first time AEW had been at that arena. It was the largest crowd in AEW history, over 15,000 fans. And I have to say that earlier on Friday, Tony Khan went to Twitter and made an announcement that indeed Friday night on Rampage would be an announcement that would usher in a new era. So I was on Clubhouse with our good friends at PWA, Pro Wrestling Anonymous, and one of the things I talked about there was I didn't believe that a game-changing announcement that would usher in a new era could possibly be connected to CM Punk. After all, CM Punk had been gone for seven years, 
He really had trashed the wrestling business, if we're completely honest, had no interest in returning. AEW has had interest in CM Punk since their inception, uh, not just with All In, but when they became a full company and did All Out back in 2019, they wanted to have Punk involved, but he would not be involved. There's been really a long chase for that. So in my mind, I thought that the announcement would be bigger than CM Punk. So I'm here to tell you I was wrong. I was completely wrong. There were questions whether or not CM Punk would actually show up. It almost seemed too obvious, right? They had dropped a lot of hints and it just seemed like this is too obvious, right? And with it being this obvious and wrestling fans loving surprises, there was no way this was going to go over that well. And so you have the optics of the show beginning, right? Jim Ross is there on the commentary as opposed to Chris Jericho. So it already feels like a big night. It's a massive crowd. And then the audience is chanting CM Punk, right? So it's undeniable. You can't miss it. And then Cult of Personality plays. And then CM Punk shows up. And I have to tell you, it's a feeling I did not expect to have. I have to tell you that I certainly was a CM Punk fan. I enjoyed his WWE run. I admittedly was not as familiar with his run in Ring of Honor or in the indie spaces. I felt like he had done a great job in WWE. I hated the way he left. I remember WrestleMania 30, where we all thought he would make his triumphant return then, but he would never return. And the chance for CM Punk lasted for seven years, which I have to tell you, that's very unusual, right? It's not a normal thing that people remember wrestlers like that and demand them for seven years. Perhaps punk is more special than I realized. But let me tell you what else I think made this important. It was important that CM Punk was able to take his name with him, right? He was Punk before he got to WWE. He ensured that he owned the name and the trademark so he could enter as CM Punk. He didn't have to use the name Phil Brooks or come up with some other name. And I have to say, one of the things that we see in the world of pro wrestling that makes enjoying certain returns difficult is when someone has to enter a new organization with a different identity, right? So for instance, when you see people like uh, Prince Devitt, who ends up coming into NXT as Finn Balor, if you were a Prince Devitt fan, it becomes hard to call him that. Let's even go more current with like Shane Strickland, aka Swerve, who we're now referring to as Isaiah Swerve Scott. Like that's hard to do when you've spent so much time with a particular identity. So what really made this work is that AEW was able to bring in CM Punk's last major musical entrance being Cult of Personality. He was able to use the name CM Punk. He was able to use the same kind of iconography, right? He was able to do a lot of the same things that he had done previously, which meant we didn't have to call him by a different name, right? So Chris Jericho, again, was able to do it, but he wasn't able to necessarily use a previous Jericho theme song. So we were able to adopt Judas as his new theme song but think about it Dean Ambrose didn't come over as Dean Ambrose he came over as John Moxley so when you have to 
call people by a different name, it changes things. Luke Harper had to be called Brody Lee, right? So you can look at a number of examples of people who had massive stardom in the WWE having to go to another organization with a different name. Zack Ryder becomes Matt Cardona. Kurt Hawkins becomes Brian Myers. Like the list of these names goes on and on because you don't want to have trademark infringement issues. So they were really smart, both AEW and CM Punk, to be able to give, and, and people don't even talk about that stuff, right? But those things were important elements as to why we were able to feel what we felt. What we felt was nostalgia. What we felt was a reunion. What we felt was CM Punk coming home. It's the same feeling you get when the glass breaks and Stone Cold shows up. It's the same feeling you get when you hear if you smell what the rock is cooking and the music blares, right? When you are able to recreate nostalgia, recreate or create a moment, not having to use alternate methods, it's a game changer. So what happened for a lot of us, and you know, people were making fun of the gentleman that was crying, but I don't make fun of that at all. It was an emotional moment. A hero who we thought would never return made his return. And we don't have those moments happen in wrestling very much anymore. It's hard to surprise people, but it's even harder to gain a reaction from people. And there are some that are saying, hey, it should have been kept as a surprise. But think about it. This was masterfully done. It was done in Chicago, CM Punk's home base, right? Now, not that the reaction wouldn't have been different in New York or in Atlanta or in LA, but it's very possible that it would have been. Could CM Punk return uh, in a space like, uh, I don't know, Oklahoma City? Probably not. He wouldn't get that kind of reaction, but he got it in his hometown. So shout out to AEW for ensuring that this was going to be an iconic moment because it really was. And so even if you wanted to rush Punk to get in the ring and to have him talk, you had to sit and enjoy the moment. And you know, there was no commentary. You got to feel the moment. It was emotional. I did not expect to smile as much as I did. I did not expect to feel what I felt. It was like I became a punk fan all over again. And then to hear him talk, and of course there was going to be some bashing of the WWE. But what I was looking forward to seeing was, would he demonstrate a love for the business again? And he did. And that's a game changer. And so here's what I realized in watching that. Have I actually seen the best of CM Punk? Since my exposure to him had just been his work in WWE, I never really got to sit down and watch his work in Ring of Honor. I never got to see him build that company. I never got to see what his love affair with pro wrestling was really like. So what happens when you get someone who's lost their love for something, gaining their love back, gaining their passion back? That's what we got with CM Punk. So... Could that version of CM Punk issue in a new era of pro wrestling? The answer is absolutely yes. I stand corrected. And again, a lot of that was based on what I would see from CM Punk. So we would learn that 
Punk is going to be on pay-per-view against Darby Allen September the 5th, which, you know, obviously the arena's already sold out, but the pay-per-view buy rates are about to go through the roof. And guess what? The numbers for Rampage, now mind you, Rampage has only been on for two weeks. The first week brought in about 740,000 viewers, which is a good night. But the ratings for Rampage were larger than the ratings for AEW Dynamite. Check this out. The early reports say that Rampage, the first dance, drew 1.16 million viewers. That's one of the largest numbers in the history of all of AEW. This was a big night. We knew it would be a big night. We weren't sure if Punk was going to show up, but he showed up. He showed up in great form. He looked happy. And he said something iconic. He said, I had to get away from the place that hurt me. I could not possibly heal returning to the place that hurt me. That was massive. Let me tell you what else is massive that helped make this make sense. Pretty much every time we heard CM Punk on WWE television, the voice of Jim Ross was behind it. And so to have Jim Ross present and accounted for and his voice represented when CM Punk shows up, like all of the pieces fit perfectly. So congratulations to AEW. They absolutely have made a game-shifting announcement. Imagine the matches we will get to see with a healthy and passionate CM Punk. I'm going to say we might see the best of Punk, and I'm intrigued to see this. So with that said, I want to get your reaction to CM Punk showing up in AEW. Did you watch? Most of us did, but I want to know if you watched and what your reaction was. Now, granted, not everybody's excited about this. Not everybody thinks this is a great move, but I want to hear what you, our faction faithful, have to say. So hit us up on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. So this is part one of our recap of this incredible weekend of pro wrestling. On our next episode, we're going to bring you part two, which will be dedicated to SummerSlam. Some major things happened at SummerSlam, and I got to tell you, I don't know if it was intended to try to counteract this punk announcement, but it was really big. And we're going to get into all things SummerSlam on our next episode. So make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you're subscribed to the podcast to see when that one will drop. But until then, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, my name is GB Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. <laughs>